ASI, episode 51. My name is Russ Shaw. ASI247.org is the website. If you'd like to check that out, is any of this making sense? Creating an emotional response, making an impact. Questions and concerns, go to ASI247.org. That's the email address. Kicking it off with uh, Jack White from his new uh, record. On my windowsill Two birds sitting there perfectly still One of them up to no good The other one doing what he totally should Doing kind of a hodgepodge sort of show today, uh, answering some email indirectly, like I usually do, uh, as well as the question that was raised to me. Uh, we legalized marijuana here in Washington State. Colorado did too. Uh, there's some new news about Washington D.C. has decriminalized marijuana. That happened here uh, several years ago. Um, what does that mean for believers, right? If you're a Christian type, you you love Jesus, like like myself, and and is it okay to smoke weed now that it's legal, Russ? That's a that's a very good question. So I'll be answering that today, as the show isn't just for sex addicts, right? Sexual addiction seems to be on a list of different addictions or behavior issues that some of us have. So I'll be, uh, anyway, I'll be going through that today. Uh, but also I wanted to talk about, it's been heavy on my heart and, and through some emails I've re- received recently, um, talk about why do we tend to blame shift scapegoat? Why do we tend to project our problems onto others, right? Why do we tend to uh, deflect when we're called out? What is that in us that does that? Um, That's part of my message here, part of the passion of doing this podcast, um, being honest about our desires, right? Rather than the the deflecting thing, that that natural reaction to, hey, wait, you know, what about you, right? Um, Being honest about our desires and the safe places to do that. Um, And as a result, learning what desire under the surface at the roots really is. What we're desiring that's not just what's on the surface, right? Um, What's that about? Knowing ourselves a little deeper, right? Getting to know our creator, deepening our relationship with God. The ability to recover, right, from a wound or from a, an accident or from, right, something that happens that's either our fault or maybe not our fault at all. We get wounded and, and our recovery from that wound, what does that look like? 
you know. I've noticed that when recovery and healing starts to happen emotionally, right? You get a wound on your leg or on your arm and that thing's going to heal up over time unless you don't treat it and then the wound starts to fester. But the thing with the flesh wound is that it will, you know, it will demand our attention where emotional stuff, because of our ability to survive, some of us, right, emotionally, our ability to put up a wall, our ability to say, hey, yeah, I'm just fine, buddy. <laughs> I'm doing great. How you doing, Russ? I'm good, right? Good to go. Uh, I'm okay, right? Is that like not treating the wound emotionally, spiritually, and we all have them, man. We all have them. And if you're listening to me, uh, chances are you have some kind of unwanted behavior like that and you're working that out. Is it a wound, Russ? Or am I just deflecting? Is it a heart-level fracture? Or am I just born this way, right? Is there different layers to our identity? Or am I just not being strong enough? Do I need to become better at being strong? If we're honest, aren't those some of the questions we ask ourselves pretty frequently? Right? Are they? I don't know. I, a little more Jack White from the White Stripes to kick off the topic of this podcast today. I guess you have to have a problem if you want to, then a contraption. White on the podcast. Actually, that's the White Stripes. That's from uh, Icky Thump back in the back in the day, right? Play a little Icky Thump on the ASI show. <laughs> yeah. I, so interesting fact about Jack White: his new album, uh, Lozado, Lozardo. I don't know. Uh, however, you pronounce it. Um, his new album. It, it sold 40,000 uh, copies on vinyl, which is the first time that's been done since 1991. So vinyl is making a comeback, which is interesting. Um, I think it's because, like me, I like I like to hold the music in my hand, right? I, if I'm going to buy a recording, um, it's cool to buy digital, I guess. But 
what, you know, what, where does it, what happens to it when you drop your phone in the lake? Is it, what if it don't get on the cloud, you know? <laughs> what if the cloud doesn't pick it up? What if it doesn't sync up with the cloud, Russ? Then what do I do? I've lost something. I've lost the music. Um, it's an interesting metaphor right there. <laughs> the cloud. Uh, as we talk about faith and recovery here on the ASI podcast. On the last show, um, interview with Steve, it went pretty well for my, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I, I beat myself up maybe too much. I got, you know, some word back. Everybody seems to, hey, you know, what's wrong? It was more of a conversation. Like Steve said, I liked it. It was more of a, a conversation than an interview, and that's what, what he liked about it. Um, I guess sometimes I feel like I talk more than I should Something I've said in the last three interviews that I wanted to address today on the show, um, talk about some messages and email. Um, I, I kept saying that uh, there was a point in my life where Jesus had become my, like a bit character in my story, right? Like my coming through drugs and alcohol, maybe that was part of the case that I had had I not fully understood the gospel or had I just accepted religion and got by on self-discipline, I don't know about that because I'm not the most self-disciplined cat, all right? I know how addictive cocaine and methamphetamine are. Um, some of this was circumstance. I'd wrecked my car. I lived kind of out in the, the boondocks when I was a coke addict. I lived in my mom's trailer on a lake, Sam Lake, and without a car, it's a ways to drive. And I had, yeah, I had friends that came pick me up and we'd go out and stuff. But there was a time there that I I had really dried out, I think. Um, but also some of the recovery stuff I learned, <laughs> that I was forced into, was still on my mind. Uh, so there's that, right? But I wanted to touch on that some in this podcast and talk about faith and talk about you know, that, that song is so appropriate. Um, you can't take the effect and make it the cause, right? Um, I did some work on, before the interview with Steve, I did some work with uh, talking about sin and, and, and coming up with, uh, you know, helping people understand, helping you, the listener, understand some of you that that are unchurched maybe and maybe some of you that are even over religious uh, to get a working definition of sin biblically right that's not based on what religious people said um, right like religious folks love to make up rules that aren't in the Bible they do that a lot um, I'm more of a Bible guy I'll stick to the scriptures um, I'm a sola scriptor guy that's kind of a, a reformed thing um, but also, uh, my story uh, is is one that makes both, um, you know, progressive liberals and the conservative reformed Christians nervous, right? <laughs> Hence my apology to, to Nadia Bowles-Weber, which... Uh, and, and she's gracious enough to let me leave that stuff on the show, which is cool, because um, she didn't have to, right? But I don't know. Um but I, I enjoy what she said uh, in her book. She talks about, you know, she she doesn't say oh, I'm I'm right or I'm wrong or I'm gonna you know I'm right and you're wrong. She 
she says in her book, she says, what you're about to hear is first-person theology. I used to say that in some of the early shows, that I'm not a theologian. And, and she was saying that actually when you talk about God, you're, you're being a theologian, all right? That's, that's theological. And what she said about her book and her memoir, kind of, right, The Cranky, Beautiful Faith of a Sinner and Saint, she talked about it being first-person theology. So what you're listening to is, is in, in some respect, my own first-person theology as a guy who, you know, shipwrecked his life. I caused the train wreck and then they put me in traction. <laughs> I, that's lyric from that tune. Um, I had Pico, my friend Pico on the show. Pico's one of the, one of those dudes that, uh, you know, knows me behind the counter. I know him behind the counter to a certain extent. And, and he's one of those cats that has a dark past like his childhood wasn't you know all puppy dogs and ice cream much like mine uh, yet he didn't take the same road I did so there's there's something to that right dealing with my own reactions to life and my own narcissism <laughs> um, but some of this is uh, is processing Right, why we, you and I, um, you the listener, maybe get behind your eyes for a moment to ask yourself the question, um, and it's something I, maybe I challenge you to do often is to, is to really see where you react the way you do uh, emotionally, whether it's with addiction or just you know, anger or isolation. Isolation is always a, a comfortable place for me to go. And it isn't always bad, right? Um, sometimes just being alone, I'm kind of an introverted extrovert, right? Like I like to create. Sometimes if I could just spend hours on the computer creating something. And sometimes, you know, you can spend hours on the computer just mindlessly researching uh, stupid things that don't matter but when it comes to creating something, um, that's something that I see is, is, is something that recharges me. But I also get recharged by being around people um, sometimes. Sometimes I can be around people and still come back behind my own shell and, and put up this very social, very friendly, very um, shell-like me. <laughs> that seems to get along great with everybody. I think that's a big part of the lure of social media, that we would have these functional social interactions that make us feel like we're being social and, and feed that part of us a little bit. But really, the thing about social media, not that it's bad, but it is a mile wide, right? It's a mile wide and about a few inches deep. Unless you get into groups and, and social media and some of the Facebook groups and closed groups and stuff. Like you have your own sort of behind-the-counter thing going on there, right? Let me quickly explain that metaphor. If you haven't heard it before, I actually got this metaphor from Charles Stanley, who was a radio preacher. Did a sermon about, uh, you know, social 
stuff in the church, and I, this was a brilliant metaphor. The behind-the-counter metaphor is that uh, as people, we are kind of like a, a store, right? Like a mercantile, like, a, uh, like the pizza store that I work out of. People come in through the, the door to do business with us, and most of the social interactions that we have in our lives, we're standing at the counter, how may I help you, right? And we do business with them standing behind our counter talking to them. Um, the behind-the-counter metaphor is when we trust someone, when we're willing to let someone into that vulnerable place where they see behind the counter, where they come into the the back of the store and see the inner workings of of how the thing runs right those are those are those behind the counter relationships that i that i talk about when i use that word right behind the counter and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with with some of these social media groups and some of them have been really good at you know starting that process of letting people behind the counter because of the safety of the screen but ultimately, I think that it's important we get outside of the safe confines of social media. You know, uh, it's a great place to start. I'm not knocking it. But again, there's something very good and healthy about looking someone in the eye and telling them your story. Telling them exactly who you are behind the counter. Right? Like... Reddit, like the Purity Report, like Reddit, NoFap, and NoFap Christian, and you can bury your soul in a private group or something like that, but it's still like a, the screen sort of is like a condom for social interaction, isn't it? Because you're not seeing the person face to face, eye to eye. There's something about that that's more intimate in our community, in our city, with people you might bump into at the grocery store, right? The intercourse of social interaction. And it's scary to get outside of the, the condom of the screen and have safe social, right? Doesn't feel like safe social, Russ. Did I just create a new thing? Hashtag safe social? I don't know. But that's something to think about, right? Had me thinking about this concept in this book I'm reading, um, listening to, uh, it's, it's about when helping hurts. It's, uh, you know, how a lot of Christians, ministry leaders, um, other activists will run overseas, for example, and throw money at a situation when maybe that's not the best thing, right? Uh, and, and what they talk about in the book is there, there's a poverty of monetary poverty, right? There's a, there's a poverty in, in morality, in moral systems, in, you know, the ability to create a healthy economy. It, yeah, there was a, a, a large, um, charity that I'm not going to mention because I don't totally remember the name. <laughs> I, I have an idea, but I don't want to guess. Um, but they were under investigation because a lot of people were giving millions of dollars to this organization who in turn had to, because of the thuggery in some of these third world countries in Africa, had to give money just to get in to have access to the people, gave millions to corrupt or violent um, governments, right? So how much of that money went to the actual people 
because they felt the best way to be diplomatic in their entering their country was to pay off some of these thugs, which was radically unhealthy, right? Like you're giving to the people who are taking the money and causing the poverty of the people that you're trying to help. Like, how does that make sense? And then there's the the, the poverty that goes underneath that. Like the, the root of it and some of the roots of it are a poverty of being. My wife and I, because we're, we're not the greatest with money, <laughs> the last two churches we went to, you know, Mars Hill and AC3, we both sat down with some folks and, and did these budgeting plans, right, and talking about personal economy and worshiping God with our money, that kind of thing. Um, I, and it had me thinking about our self-talk, right? Those questions that we ask ourselves. Because what... Um, the gal at Mars Hill, what she said, this was years ago, the more we're depleted, right? The more we, we take away from our pot, which is our money, our monthly income, you know, we have to put money back in in order to pay the bills. Kind of common sense, right? But we also have a spiritual, emotional economy too, don't we? And it's easy to deplete that by asking some of those questions that that may eat at us. And some of them are just going to kind of eat at us. But how do we solve it? How do we solve it, right? And as a guy who's struggled with impulse control issues and chemical addiction issues, I can relate to that, right? Like taking the effect making it the cause it's sort of like, okay, you know, we need to put a deposit in and instead we're making a withdrawal. But maybe some of the roots of that is this poverty of being, right? It's what what's going to be a deposit and what's going to be a withdrawal. And again, emotionally, spiritually, our relationship with our creator. That's why I love the first step so much, right? You're not God. You don't have all of the wherewithal to deposit into your own account. You, you don't have any money, right? It's, it's reaching for and realizing a different spiritual economy that comes from our creator. And I pray that you understand that. I believe that's why there's so much emphasis on the higher power in 12-step and why it's one of the things that most people have the biggest problem with. Because they feel like, okay, no, I've got to make these decisions. I've got to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. And the truth is, that's the problem, is that you think that, right? That's the problem is that I thought that. I've got to fix this on my own. It's, again, it's that metaphor of the spiritual economy. I can't put a deposit into my account when I keep depleting my account because the way that I think that a deposit works is to take a withdrawal, right? Take the effect and make it the cause. It doesn't work that way. You can't go to the bank, grab a deposit slip, fill it out, go to the teller and say, I would like $100. It's just common sense, right? Like we know that when you put it into those terms with this metaphor, but when we're 
sad, when we feel depleted, we, why do we reach for our addiction when we know that that's just going to deplete us more, right? It's, it's, you know, again, taking a withdrawal and thinking in our mind that it's going to be a deposit. It's not the way it works. That's like Martin Luther, right? And the bondage of the will. And this argument that he had about, right? Willpower being bondage. Why? Because we either, it's pride or despair, right? You think you did it, right? The economy metaphor, again, I remember my son was like four years old or five years old. I gave him a $5 bill and he's like, whoa, right? I'm rich. This is amazing. A five dollars. Like you know, okay, and, and uh, you know, I'm not gonna correct him in his exuberance and joy, but the facts are that they won't even buy you lunch, right? Um so in our pride, but we think that though, right? We think we're pretty wealthy. We think we've got a pretty good bead on things. That's something that I was working out that I, I saw myself repeating on the last three interviews was the fact that, uh, and I don't discount this, all right? Um, I was trying to go back through my past and, and realize how long it had been since I have done cocaine or smoked marijuana. Um, uh, I think it's 27 years now that I've been without, that I've been free from coke and methamphetamine. That's a pretty big deal. All right. I know people that struggle with that and it's, it's, it's very, very difficult thing to kick. Right. And I've had that kind of freedom since I was a young man that, that has been the freedom in my life. Marijuana was very hard to give up drinking myself unconscious. I mean, I would drink to the point where I just was, I'd fall down and somebody would scoop. I don't remember how I got home. I mean, this alcoholism, that was my, my life. Um, I did that and that's how what I used to think. And that was part of, yes, I had the higher power metaphor going on. I believed in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm so smart that I chose you, right? Again, that's pride. We don't see it like that though sometimes, right? That's what I was talking about in those interviews that Jesus had not become my savior and Lord. And I think that that's why the sex stuff was still hanging around. And, and it still is that temptation thing that I need to internally keep realizing the depth of my life. The economy of my life is something deeper than, than something that I can muster up. And you could argue that that's not even a Christian idea, right? Doctrinally. Um, I don't choose God. God chose me. God chose me. That, that, you know, issue of being chosen. We have this vast bank account spiritually that we can tap into. It's some people, you know, right, the po prosperity folks will say that it's actually monetary, right? You get rich, but no, <laughs> no, it's better and deeper than that. There's a lot of rich people I know that are pretty poor, spiritually, emotionally, right? But we, you know, there's something in our human nature that tends to cling to that pride, doesn't it?
So pride, I'm awesome because I did this. Despair, and that's where a lot of us go, where a lot of us deplete our own account as we despair on ourselves. We hate on ourselves. We start to ask, you know, these questions like, it's me. I'm, am I just born this way, right? Am I just a victim of my raisin? Right? Heard that in a country song. I'm a product of my raisin. Um, the very real withdrawal of negative self-talk, right? Being real about your um, limits, I think, is not necessarily negative. But when we dwell on it, when we start beating ourselves up over our um, limits and our abilities and our gifting, some of us are just not gifted to do certain things. And, and the giftings that we do have, again, it's being in relationship and in community. That's crazy important. We're not supposed to just worship God in a vacuum, right? The body of Christ, you're not just a hand laying there on the ground. You're supposed to be connected and I, I know I've been hammering that for years now. Uh, so hopefully you're getting that. But the reason why is, again, being um, encouraged, having an income of our personal economy rather than staying on our own and being by ourselves and letting our self-talk run into this kind of negative, I'm not that great, I can't change my situation, I'm not going to get better, I'm not getting better, I feel I'm such an idiot, I wish I was that guy over there, right? We, we can start to deplete our own personal wealth of being, right, with that self-talk. Because faith is something that, again, it's best to do with other people. I was chatting with one guy about this kind of negative thing, self-talk thing, demonic message that kept running in his head about a shallow uh, definition of idolatry. Like, he would look at even the good things he did. Like, if he was loving his kids or taking his little girl, his daughter out on a daughter-daddy date or, you know, spending time with his wife. And, and even those things, he started to, to over-evaluate, right, to kind of dwell on and this negative voice coming in his head saying that, oh, you're just, you just worship those relationships. You care about that more than God kind of a thing. And it's like, well, wait a minute, right? Where does that voice come from? Is that true? I mean, those are questions that we need to, to process. Again, with other people in our relationship with God. Well, while we are Christians and we consider ourselves in Christ, what does that mean? And that's one of those things. Like, I want to be the person who is walking what I talk and when I get to some of these unhealthy places, um, I feel like I'm not doing what I, I preach or something, right? And it's not that, you know, yes, I've had some victory and some real freedom over drugs and over sex, right? The compulsive act of sexual addiction, the uh, 
continual intoxication of myself through drugs or alcohol. Alcohol is something I've had to peel back a little bit and, and look at because maybe I'm numbing myself, you know. Come home and have three, four beers, uh, even light beers. Is, it, is Am I numbing myself? These are questions I've had to ask myself recently. Um, and, and it goes back to that, that fruit of the spirit thing, right? So I'm, I'm kicking around uh, the idea of taking a break from the show again. And I know I just, I just said that in a few episodes ago, you know, talking about this. Uh, I want to do more shows. You know, please donate, right? And some of you did donate, and, and I get that. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, so I'm not just taking a break here because I feel like I need to, right? That's very selfish. It's kind of a selfish thing. Like I need to recharge myself. Um, I really want to be led by the spirit more than I want to take a break for the sake of, you know, I don't know, self-evaluation or, right? There's something that Pastor Mark said a while back that I thought was interesting and, and it has me uh, going back to it every so often when it comes to responsibility and, and work ethic. Um, Pastor Mark said that uh, young men especially, um, I'm 46, so I'm not a young man. I'm young at heart. <laughs> I have a free spirit. Um, I, they say that being an addict stops your uh, ability to mature emotionally, right? So I, I'm, I'm still young at heart, so to speak, I guess you could say, right? Anyway, he said that a young man is like a pickup truck. It, it runs better down the ro road, right, down the freeway with a load on it. All right, that's, that's a pretty good metaphor. Um, when there's a load on your life, when you have some responsibility in your life, some of the guys that I've talked to, you know, that's something I talk about, like building a relationship, getting in, where are you in your life? What kind of a, a load do you carry? Uh, because if you have no load and you live at home with your mom and you're playing video games all day and right, I mean, that's just not good for your spirit. It's not good for your soul. So uh, going back to what I was talking about originally, that's always been a passion of doing this podcast is let's, let's talk about that in between place between what we feel and what we actually do, what we know we should and ought to do and what we feel we should have done or right, or we should do. And then what we actually do when we get up in the morning and go about our day, what are we actually doing and why? So that's part of my, um, considering taking a break from this show. I want to be an inspirer. I want to be an encourager. I don't want to just blurt out facts and, and figures and talk about, you know, masturbation, right? Mental masturbation of reformed theology or psychology, right? I want this thing to, to move forward folks who struggle with unwanted behaviors, because I've seen a lot of victory in that. And I do feel a kind of like, I want to help folks with that, man. I've been where a lot of you were at and I have a passion to, to right convey some truth and, and have you learn from some of my bloodshed. Um, 
not that I'm an expert uh, psychologist or religious person in any way, shape, or form. My story and my relationship with my creator is different than yours, but I, I still want to be a, a conduit of inspiration, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. And that Sabbath, one of the reasons for Sabbath is that we would recharge and that's what I'm thinking about. Uh, and I'd love your feedback on this, taking a break from the podcast to Sabbath and recharge. Russ at ASI247.org. Um, and this is one of those things that I've had to evaluate as stepping away from Mars Hill, stepping away from the teaching of Mark Driscoll. Not that I'm going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that there's a lot of truth that that man said, that the, the church changed my life in a good way. But there's, again, you can't have the, the effect without the cause, right? Going back to that song, um, there's not been a high value on Sabbath from the community that I was a part of in the leadership and what was, you know, really conveyed to people who um, are supposed to move this movement called the church, um, the Mars Hill Church, uh, not the extended church, but right. So there's not, there was not a high value placed on Sabbath, right? Like Sabbath isn't a suggestion. It's actually a commandment. Um, and that's part of, again, you can't have the effect, right? You can't, the cause is the cause. The effect is the effect. Um, it's easy. It's easy to point to the effect and say it's the cause. Does that make sense? It's easy to preach. It's not so easy to live what you're talking about. It's not so easy to go back. And, and I would talk about that in this podcast. I have to go back and listen to some of my own shows because of my heart condition and, and learning to be inspired and be an inspirer. All right. The whole New York Times bestseller hack, right? Buying, buying their way onto the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, that was a blow, right? I mean, one of the things with this podcast, all right, thousands of people listen to this podcast weekly. Um, I'm not saying that to toot my own horn, but one of the weird things about social media is that on my Facebook, my Facebook likes are right 41 people like the facebook page and and sure i could have and and there's that tempting thing in me to buy facebook likes right for like 20 bucks i could buy 1500 you know 2000 facebook likes for my facebook page but that would be dishonest you know it's one of those things that came up to the surface like okay um i've taken the effect and made it the cause right when you preach so much of that that you don't see yourself you know that's what happens that's when these stubborn sins bubble to the surface and the bomb goes off right when a bomb goes off it's always a symptom of a deeper issue right like jack white said in that song it's taking the effect and making it the cause is a beautiful <laughs> philosophical representation of a, a real uh, redemption process in place, right? Like you don't keep firing the people that would hold you in accountable uh, relationship 
if you're repentant, if you're not taking the effect and making it the cause. You know, those are the surfacey ways of I'm just not going to do this and that anymore on the surface. And but I don't really want to be in relationship behind the counter with people who make me uncomfortable. Uh, anyway, I, I'm not just talking about the Mars Hill controversy and the stuff that's happened there. I'm talking about some of the men that I've dealt with in, in you know, guys who are in very close to divorce and still making excuses for why they can't um, be transparent. It's, it's heartbreaking, you know, but that again, that's part of the passion of doing this show. Don't take the effect, make it the cause. Don't think you can just change some things on the surface. There's a heart thing that has to happen. Forgiveness is freely given right? Forgiveness is a, a thing that we do. It's an economy of, of, of letting go of debt. All right. It's something that one person does. Reconciliation is a two way street, right? Trust. When trust is broken, it is earned back. All right. You don't just freely trust someone because, oh, I forgive you. And now I trust you. No, trust is something else. It really is. It, it, it goes to reconciliation. So, uh, that, that's, where my passion lies. Uh, and here's the deal. Uh, donating to the show, I promise I will not buy any Facebook likes or Twitter followers, right? Your money that you donate to the show will not go to uh, marketing <laughs> ASI um, in that kind of dishonest way. Uh, I, I apologize quickly to Bowles Weber, who made it, I may have made it sound like I had her as a guest, right? I owned that and said, yeah, no, I know you weren't a guest. I just played, right? Yes. I, and I deleted that tweet. So uh, I'm not going to buy Instagram followers either, by the way, um, because I'm not on Instagram. <laughs> So there's that. Uh, it costs money, man. You get money involved, and it's even worse of a of a crime when we break trust, isn't it? I'm still asking for donations too, by the way, because just because I take a break from the show doesn't mean that it it doesn't cost money to stay online, right? So if you want to donate, um, I'm also going to give books. To some folks like uh, Steve in the last uh, episode where I, I that interview with Steve, uh, 10 Lies Men Believe About Porn, um, the next three folks to send a donation uh, will get a free copy of his book. Um, just, just to throw that out there as a gift to you, the listener. Um, I have some books. I want to give them away uh, to those that could help. So ASI247.org, right there on the website, you can donate. Um, if you don't like giving online, uh, send me an email. I'll send you an address where you can send a, a donation if you want to do it that way. Also, if you'd like to donate using your handheld device, you can do that through PayPal. If you have the PayPal app, if you use PayPal, um, russ at asi247.org is the email address. It's also my PayPal handle. You can uh, send money right to that email address. Russ at ASI247.org. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. So to give Steve's book away, Steve was gracious enough to give me some free copies of his book to give away. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that as a, as a way to inspire donations. But also, um, my point being, what do you place your faith and hope in, right? The cause 
for the pain and the suffering in this world? Does it have to do with us sinful human beings? Oh yeah, to be sure. We are the cause. The effect? That's sort of up to you, isn't it? The question being, what do you place your hope and faith in? It's like I said in some of those early shows, right? The 80-20 rule, you know? Life is 20% the stuff that happens to us, the cause. And it's 80% what we do about the 20%. That's the effect. And to my hyper-Calvinist friends, what will happen to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness as they reach for God in faith? It's Matthew 5. Look it up if you forgot. So one thing I really enjoy about recovery is seeing behind the curtain with people, being behind the counter with people. I'm always way more interested and learn a lot more from the people who are honest enough to talk about where they are, right, and what they're actually doing as opposed to what they tell other people to do or what they say they should or ought to be doing. Like, between our brain and our heart is this in-between place of what we actually do, right? Reminds me of our relationship with God and our relationship with others and the attitudes that are attached to those. It's like Matthew 5, you know, starting in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Like my friend Pastor Rick in Marysville said, Matthew 5 is kind of like a house, and you enter in through the door. Verse 3, the first one, the first attitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? I am bankrupt. Goes to some of that Calvinist kind of theology on depravity, right? Total depravity. I, have, I am bankrupt. I need God. I don't have a bank account of my own. I need to tap into dads, right? We are dependent. The dependency issue, right? They hear about that in recovery. It, we, we are going to be dependent on something. That's part of the human condition. And it's spiritual reality realizing that we can build a relationship with our creator and the lover of our soul. So next order of business, uh, had a question raised because of the legalization of marijuana in my state, uh, private Twitter message, right? Uh, at Russ Shaw, all one word, uh, is my Twitter handle, by the way. Um, I'll tell you what I told my kids about this. Um, like, they, they also have the example of why you shouldn't do drugs and excessively drink as their father. So there's that. But both of my kids are adults now. My son just moved out. So that's another part of this being in flux, right? The, the challenge and 
stress of today, you know, just leaving a church. And now my wife and I are empty nesters, so to speak, right? Both of our kids are um, adults and have moved out of the house. Um, so this is some of what I've told my kids. And also it's it reminded me of this song, the fact that I'm telling you, the listening audience, about this because it reminds me of some of my relationship with um, impulse control when it came to sex as well. Is it okay if Christians smoke weed, Russ? It's legal, right? Uh, good question. <laughs> my, my relationship with marijuana was much like um, my relationship with promiscuous sexual relationships, right? It was the, uh, the, the comfort, uh, but also a little of the disconnection that followed in that relationship totally reminds me of this, this Tom Petty tune. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. I've been told you never slowed down, you never grow old. I'm tired of screwing up, I'm tired of going down, I'm tired of myself, I'm tired of this town. Oh my my, oh hell yes, honey, put on that party dress. Buy me a drink, sing me a song, take me as I come, cause I can't stay long. Let's dance with Mary Jane, one more time to kill the Another thing been going on in my city, in the area that I live, uh, Washington State, we have legalized recreational marijuana. So that's happened, and no, the city hasn't burned down, all right? Everything's pretty much as normal as it used to be, which isn't very normal. It's just Seattle area. Uh, I don't know, man. Here's the deal. People have asked me, you know, because this isn't just a show where it's just sex addicts that listen, but it's sex seems to be on a list of other addictions that you may have may not have had. I've certainly had my chemical romances in the past. As a guy who was a weed connoisseur, I mean, seriously, there was a time in my life where if you would have asked me the top five things that I loved about being alive, one of them would have been smoking weed, right? I loved marijuana that much at one time in my life. Why don't I smoke it today? It's, it's legal, Russ. You can go buy it and you can smoke it if you want to. Marijuana for me was it's something I don't smoke. I haven't smoked marijuana or done marijuana in any way, shape, or form since the 80s, all right? I quit, and it was very difficult. It was very hard to quit weed. It was actually, you know, they talk about how cocaine and methamphetamine, they become physically addictive, and you go through withdrawals, and, and, I, and I did feel some of that, but the comfort of marijuana 
was was very difficult, for, very hard for me to give up. I tried to give it up many times. Um, I finally just stopped, and now that it's legal, what does the Bible say about that, Russ? Right? Like that's a that's a question that Christians are going to have to ask and going to have to address um, as it becomes legal in more states, because I think it will. Uh, Colorado beat us to the punch as far as it goes, right? Uh, and and they're doing very well as far as raising revenue using me- medical, or not just medical marijuana, but m- recreational marijuana as a way to, uh, yeah, <laughs> create tax revenue. Um, I, I laugh because it's, it's something that's... Uh, here's the deal. I voted... You may be shocked by this. I don't know. Uh, I voted for the legalization of marijuana in my city. And no, I, I haven't smoked it since the 80s. Why did I vote yes? Uh, because I was part of that world. I'm a former drug dealer. Um, marijuana is more lucrative. It was back in the 80s more lucrative than than cocaine. And, and meth was kind of new. Methamphetamine was kind of new. We called it crystal back then. Uh, anyway, so but everybody seemed to smoke marijuana. Not everybody, but I would say around here, I don't know, maybe it's just the people I hung with, but um, about, I mean, and I'd still today, even, you know, I know people that, you know, go to college and, and work in a law firm or software company, and, and a lot of them smoke marijuana. They, they have for years. Uh, it's just interesting. Um, but see, those guys were more of a proponent for legalization than my friend, we'll call him uh, Mr. J, uh, who just smoked weed a lot most of his life, along with some other things. The other things he doesn't do anymore, but he's still, you know, a, a pothead to the point where he, you know, doesn't have stable job, uh living with relatives and stuff because he can't afford to start his own life um, that kind of thing right so that guy that guy's not like a dude you know he's like legalize it you know and putting all this stuff on Facebook and stuff like that and it's like dude you know uh, you're not a good proponent of that I'm not trying to be mean I'm just saying that you're maybe you should knock it off <laughs> If you're that guy, uh, it's a demotivator, man. It just is. That's one of the reasons I quit smoking it. A, it's a demotivator. B, it it fried my short-term memory some. Now, I don't know if that has to do with marijuana as much as it's just part of my personality. Uh, and I did a lot of drugs when I was a teenager. Man, I, I had some painful stuff happen in my life. I'm a fairly sensitive person anyway, and I numbed that pain with a lot of drugs. I tried just about everything I could. Acid, mushrooms, smoked a lot of pot. Uh, My friend traded his car for a quarter pound of bud, right? And and he was going to sell it and try and turn a profit. Figured he could make more, you know, off this quarter pound of, of marijuana than he could selling the car. And we smoked about half of it. So that, yeah, that wasn't true. Um, Stuff like that. So is it 
I, I, I tell you these stories because it's, you know, they say marijuana is not addictive, but at the same time, I think, you know, it's like comfort food. I mean, it, <laughs> marijuana and comfort food go together. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm in the pizza business, and that's one of my running jokes with some of my friends from out of state. Like, how are you doing, Russ? And I, I say, um, I live in Seattle area. We just legalized marijuana. You know, it's a good day to be a pizza guy. <laughs> it's just a, kind of a running joke, right? How do you think I'm doing? We just legalized marijuana in Washington State. Um, no, that's really not changed my business that much. It has changed my business in the fact that those businesses exist and they do buy pizza from me. The companies that, or the, you know, the vendors that sell either medical marijuana or, you know, just recreational cannabis, which is so highly regulated, a lot of, they just run out as soon as they get it. So that's been the case lately. Um, so the question still remains, Ross, if I'm a Christian, should I smoke legal pot? Is it, you know, is that okay? Um, again, how is your, is you, do you have this addictive personality? Are you sucked in easily to things? Um, the stuff that they're making nowadays, is it better than the 80s stuff? In some regard, yes. Um, I had some very potent weed back in the 80s, the, the indica and the kush and stuff like that. That stuff existed back then. Um, is it better than it is today? Is it worse? Is the stuff that they have today more hybrid? Um, it's it's a plant, man. It's the same dang plant it, it was. I guess they could purify the strain a little more, but a lot of these guys who are saying, oh, it's so much more powerful than it was in the 80s. And, and I, don't, I don't know. I haven't smoked any since the 80s. So I can't tell you my effect, the effect it would have on me. Just from what I know about plants and about, you know, talking with some of these guys. So is this way, way better than the Kush that they had in 1985 or 1975 for that matter? And, and yeah, that's what this guy told me. He's like, you know, it's a plant. It's the same strain as it was back then. We, we try and purify the strain. And, and uh, anyway, so... Is it super potent? I guess part of it is you're not going to want... I mean, the, the stuff today is... The fact that it's legal gives people more variety. And some of you may be asking, Okay, Russ, you don't smoke marijuana yourself, but you voted for the legalization of it as a citizen of the great state of Washington. Why is that? Um, couple of reasons. Number one, I'll give you a, a quick history of marijuana as I see it, as I know it. Um, if you had a, I knew people, especially up in like Granite Falls, <laughs> in the woods out there, right? They'd have like a pot plant in their home, maybe two or three, and they would grow marijuana in their home. And, and sometimes it would bud, right? And it would bud would come on your, your plant. That was a good day, right? Because the buds are the most potent part of the plant. Uh, a lot of folks, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, I, I, I don't know about today, but I don't know anybody that smokes leaves today, uh, but that was kind of the thing, is you could smoke the leaves too, they would get you high, 
but nothing like the buds would, all right? The buds were, are, are the fruit of the marijuana. Now, in order to cultivate plants that consistently give off buds, big buds, frequent buds, uh, that took some organization and some skill. Took some breeding of the plant, and back in you know back in those days, it was basically like organized crime that would make the best, distribute the best marijuana, and the, that was a dark world. All right, drug dealers don't have their own; uh, they don't call the police. All right, when something happens and somebody rips them off or somebody crosses them or somebody does something that they don't like you know they don't pick up the phone and call the, the cops they they have their own internal policing system and it was usually a pretty dark way of of uh doing business all right so that's why i wanted to put those guys out of business the fact that those guys, the drug dealers, the cartels, and the gangs, and the, you know, sick uh, opportunists, uh, some of these guys are just twisted enough to get in the drug business so they can control people, use women sexually, um, use the women that are with the guys who are dealing their stuff. Uh, it's just disturbing if you knew what I know about that world. Um, so that's why I voted yes. The second reason, I, again, my most famous ancestor is a guy named Patrick Henry. Signed the Declaration of Independence, right? Was instrumental in the United States becoming a country. His most famous line was, you know, give me liberty or give me death. Right? That's, that's serious. Um, today, fast forward 200 plus years, if you look at democracies worldwide, uh, the United States of America incarcerates more of its population than most any other uh, democracy on, on the planet. That's percentage-wise. We have a larger percent of the population sitting in prisons and jails here in the United States than most other democracies throughout the world. All right, and, and that's pretty sad. That, that's a black eye on the, the freedom eagle, right? I'm just saying, that's the truth. People can recreationally use marijuana. That's my point with uh, talking about, you know, the fact that it is a cash crop. Why? Because you can't do cocaine and methamphetamine uh, recreationally. Those substances are so addictive, they will kill you. Um, and a lot of people know that. But marijuana is one that people can do recreationally, and they will, all right? Whether it's illegal or not, it is not hard to get marijuana if you want to get high on marijuana, all right? And as a Christian, if voting yes will help alleviate some of that pain, eventually put an end to that dark way of doing business, 
I mean, isn't that what we should be doing, right? That in the fact that um, if a guy gets busted with a little bit of weed, it shouldn't have to wreck his life if he's poor, all right? Let's face it, that's the way the judicial system works in this country. Um, A rich kid gets caught with a little weed in his car, he's probably not going to get in very much trouble, all right? Inner city kid, maybe he's got a, a future, all right? But because he doesn't have a lot of money and because he gets a public defender, um, that kind of thing could ruin that person's life. Do we worship a God who's like the hard conservative type that says, well, then so be it. He shouldn't have been smoking pot. Is that the God of the Bible? Um, and not through Jesus Christ it isn't. The, the fact of the grace of God is that we don't get what we deserve. And I am a patriot. I do love this country. Yes, for our freedoms and for the fact that when a jacked up law has things like that happening, we as the voters can vote to change it, as we have done here in Washington State. Um, So, again, it's social impact on the culture. It's already been around for a while. Um, It's going to be an interesting social experiment, the legalization of it here. Um, But again, it's not something new, and it's not hard to get. Another reason I'm a proud American who loves this country is we don't leave sinful human beings at the upper echelon heights of power for very long. It's the way the Constitution was written. You got four years, baby. If you can do that and not get fired, we'll give you eight. But then you're done. All right? This keeps power-hungry, you know, even influential to the people, uh, leaders from going corrupt and uh, changing laws or making up laws. Uh, Man, you got eight years and, and you're done. So that's a good thing about this country, the checks and balances, the rule and limitations of law over the emotional, egotistical, the personality of leaders, right? Expiration date on your power, buddy. There was research on this last year, uh, back in 2013, that we were the highest uh, percentage of incarcerated people per 100,000 units of the population. Uh, There's some people that came back and argued that, but whether we're number one or not, it's whatever it is, it's still way too high for a free country. It's like 714 people per 100,000 are sitting in a jail cell, which was, according to that number, that statistic, is the highest in the world amongst democracies and uh, developed nations, right? So if you go to the Facebook page for the show, the Meet Russ Shaw uh, Facebook page, fan page, I have posted those statistics from the website that I got. Them. I actually have a source. Look, I have the source posted online so you can see what I'm talking about. Um, it's, it's a pretty staggering, sad uh, number. 
and again. So as Christians, are we going to lock people up for smoking a little weed? That's just something you should ask yourself, right? Do Christians smoke weed, right? Uh, Russ, uh, I guess it depends on what kind of Christians. I, it was about a year ago, I think it was, when, you know, uh, the voters voted this, uh, this thing in, this initiative that legalized marijuana. Um, there was a bus that I took a picture of. I put it on Facebook. It was brightly colored, this huge bus, you know, Jesus across the front and, you know, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, like painted on the sides, a uh, big pot leaf on the back. They were in a parking lot. There's a guy sitting on a milk crate playing a guitar um, in his 60s, right? Kind of a, a hippie thing going on there. So uh, the caption I put under the picture when I posted it on Facebook was, uh, that our new marijuana laws may be attracting uh, new denominations of Christians to our state. <laughs> so, a uh, little comedic fodder. But, so, yeah, there, I don't know. People interpret the Bible in different ways, right? Is that biblical or not, right? I don't know if I judge those people. Well, they're artists. Um, I, I would rather quote Jesus when it comes to making an impact on the culture, right? We're supposed to be salt and light to the culture, not, um, right, quoting Timothy Leary and tune in, turn on, drop out, all right? Just saying. That's, uh, it goes to your doctrine. What kind, of, what kind of doctrine do you have? It doesn't seem very healthy to me to get on a bus and smoke weed and play guitar for the rest of your life. I'm just saying, uh, right? <laughs> what kind of an impact are you making on the culture? Making a deposit or withdrawal, right? I don't know. So back to the question, should Christians smoke pot or not? What is your opinion, Russ? Why don't you smoke pot now, today, now that it's legal? Uh, good question. Here's, here's the reasons I don't, um, and here's the reason why it's really up to your conscience, all right? Again, if you're listening to me, that's one of the things, one of the reasons I don't smoke pot anymore, because uh, I have an addictive personality, all right? That's one of those things. I still drink, yes, but uh, I had more of a bead on self-control on drinking, and Sometimes I need to be honest about talking with my friends about, right? I actually thought about starting a Facebook uh, group on that. Alcohol Enthusiasts for Sobriety. <laughs> okay. I actually make some of my own homebrew, which I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy doing. I enjoy making it. Um, I, it's not that I'm drinking it all the time. I drink very little of it. Uh, but, again when it comes to homegrown, <laughs> right? Is that something that Christians ought to do? It really goes back to what I was talking about before. Is it a deposit or a withdrawal on your being, on your spirit? It goes back to 1 Corinthians 6, right? Is it, is it good for you? Does it edify others? Is it going to um, be something that can enslave you, right? All things are lawful for me, Paul says, but not all things are 
are good, healthy. We should do them because, I mean, right? God wants good for us. God's looking out for us. He loves us. He wants us to enjoy life. Um, Benjamin Franklin, I've also heard that Martin Luther had this quote, was actually Martin Luther's quote, but I've heard more substantially, and I could, right, I trust it more, the source that Benjamin Franklin said, um, beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. The Bible does talk about alcohol. Jesus' first miracles, turning water into wine, for example. Um, I believe it's uh, Psalm 104 in there somewhere. It talks about, you know, God, it's God's idea that the wine, God makes the wine, the fermentation of wine. That's God's idea. It's part of God's plan. It's part of his creation. Um, God made the wine that gladdens the heart, right? You can't make a biblical argument that Christians shouldn't drink alcohol or, you know, the gladdening of the heart, right? Is it bad to get a buzz off of a, a substance? I mean, I don't see any biblical argument why you cannot do that. You shouldn't drink and drive, right? You shouldn't get drunk. That's the sin, all right? Not, it's drunkenness that's the sin, not drinking, um, not having a few drinks, social lubricant, right? Loosening up and, you know, having a conversation or a good time with friends, uh, fellowship and beer consumption is just, it's just normal, right? It's just part of the, the norm of cultures for thousands of years. So what about marijuana though? Now I've been in social situations, I used to smoke pot every single day. When I had money to afford it, I would smoke weed every every day. That was uh, maybe abusing the substance. When I did it socially, when a bunch of us were getting stoned, right, passing a joint around, usually we'd pass a bong around, uh, what did that, did that look like the same thing as when we were drinking, uh, having a few drinks? Uh, no. It didn't. It was different, all right? Uh, zoning out, laughing at cartoons. There seems to be, for me, and I'm just speaking from experience, this is my story, all right? For me, there seemed to be a distance rather than a, um, a kind of, when you, when you have a buzz on alcohol, there seems to be more of a loosening up, right? Uh, less inhibited. Uh, smoking weed made me a little more inhibited. It made me just kind of not care so much. Um, again, there's research that can go back to studying the, the it's a motivation killer. Um, and sometimes people like myself like that because we're so wound up all the time and that helps bring us down. Um, same with having a few drinks. Uh, there was another study done that intelligent people that, that people with a higher IQ, not saying that I'm that guy, right? But really smart people tend to drink a little more than people with, a, with an average IQ. Uh, I found that interesting. Um, but again, when it came to recreationally just sitting around with friends, getting stoned, um, it, was, it was just different. It was more of a numbing agent than... Uh, Sometimes we'd laugh and just watch cartoons, but we didn't, right? We didn't end up interacting with each other as much when I was high on marijuana. 
again, less emphasis on social interaction, more emphasis on experiencing something, right? Like, let's get stoned and go to the laser show. <laughs> laser shows in Seattle, I think they still do them. They've been doing them for like 30 years now. You lay on the floor and up on the ceiling, they, you know, lasers all over the place. They play Pink Floyd and stuff like that. That's one of my first dates with my wife was Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin laser show back in the 80s. Uh, no, I, we weren't high at that time. Uh, my wife doesn't smoke weed. So that was when I was getting clean off of it, uh, getting out of it, right? Another reason I don't smoke pot and won't be smoking pot because it's just because it's legal. Um, anyway, its effect on my short-term memory. Now, again, I was a young man. And I did a lot of drugs while my brain was still developing. That's part of the reason for my madness. All right, I, I realize that. But smoking marijuana seemed to heighten my—I couldn't remember things that I had just done as much. It, it, it heightened my debilitation to stay sharp as far as my short-term memory goes. Um, I lost my car. That was a big one for me. I was at the mall. I parked my car at the mall and I lost my car. And then, you know, my heart started pounding. I thought someone stole it maybe, right? The paranoia kind of set it in. And then, and I'm walking around. It took me two hours to find my car. So that was one of those things. Like, I, man, I should really lay off the weed. It's just affecting me that way. And I've heard, I've heard there were studies done. I, I don't, I'm not citing my sources. I don't remember. I didn't look all this up or be prepared for this talk, but <laughs> you can Google it, I guess. Um, I've heard that there were studies done on the effects of marijuana and short-term memory. Like, yes, alcohol kills brain cells. So does marijuana. Uh, the, the difference is that marijuana will attack some of those brain cells that are linked to our recalling short-term memory. So, uh, I, I don't know. You'd have to look that up. I'm not sure if that's true or not. Legalization <laughs> didn't want to see it legalized, made that argument. Uh, anyway, so but, but that's something I experienced, man. I experienced my short-term memory being eroded when I was high and you know, even the effects of it, taking a couple of weeks to regain some of that mental sharpness that I lost when I was stoned like a week ago, right? Another one that I told my kids because, uh, especially in schools today, when both the kids were in high school, you know, they had these anti-smoking campaigns and truth.org or whatever it was, right? Spreading this, this message of how bad tobacco smoke is and you know cancer and all this stuff and um so i i said you you know cigarettes are, are really bad for you and they're like yeah they are really bad for you so marijuana you know you smoke marijuana it's got between somewhere between five and eight times the amount of tar that a cigarette does all right now yes there's people that do edibles which is another weird controversy in my state. It's in the news that uh, I guess the Food and Drug Administration has to be in on the edibles now. Because uh, <laughs> if you add marijuana to it, then it makes it like poison, according to the people that um, do the Food and Drug Administration. So now edibles are, there's a big question mark about edibles. Um, 
marijuana brownies, if you've heard of those, that would be considered an edible. The truth is you get a very different kind of high from eating marijuana than you do from smoking it. And most people uh, prefer to smoking it for that kind of high. Another reason, depression and mania. Um, when I'm unfocused and feeling like, again, going back to that fruit of the spirit, right? Not having that exuberance for life, not having goals in life. I was either just an unfocused, crazy maniac, right? That ADD, ADHD, uh, or just depressed. Didn't want to do anything. Just lay on the couch, eat potato chips, watch cartoons, and feeling depressed about my life. And again, marijuana was so incredibly hard for me to kick because it left me so comfortably numb. And when you have that accessibility to being comfortably numb, uh, you know, it, it's really, really difficult to get out of that, that rut, you know? That's what the Bible talks about, that enslavement, that entanglement. It's like this rut that we get stuck in. What about me, Russ? Should I smoke pot, right? I would say no, if you're listening to me. Just I'll just say it right there, no. <laughs> because you listen to the ASI podcast, you're probably not the person who has the self-control to recreationally use a, a powerful drug like some of the stuff that they make today, right? They breed today. It is powerful stuff, and it will get you very, very high. Uh, and it can enslave you, just like jerking off, right? Your flesh will probably love it, but you will become a slave. Uh, so that's my that's my two cents on the subject. Um, I'll leave you with this. Again, it's I've read this multiple times in the show. I started started some of the first scriptures I ever read on the show were from this passage. And I've heard some of the Fapstronauts talk about that, too, on the NoFap side. I guess one guy's talking about, you know, being home alone, smoking weed, not really wanting to do anything but play Xbox, getting high with an altered state of, you know, consciousness is just a recipe for relapse. And some other uh, guys on NoFap said the same thing about drinking, right? Like, by yourself, no one around, start, you know, tipping back a few beers, taking a few shots. It's just, a, again, a recipe for relapse. It's a withdrawal from your being, from your, right, just a, a common sense. Maybe, you know, if I'm trying to partake in the ultimate challenge, um, maybe I should be sober-minded when I'm alone by myself, you know, getting high, being alone. It's not good for your spirit, man. It's not good for your soul. This is from the message version. I thought this was really appropriate for the topic topics today. Uh, again, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. First 
Corinthians 6.12. This is the ESV. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Just for fun, how about the Oxford Jewish Bible translation? The same piece of scripture. Verse 12. All things to me are proper, but not all things are beneficial. All things to me are proper, but I will not be mastered by anything. So, yes, a lot of different scriptures say it in different ways, different English translations of the Bible. Uh, I'll leave you with that. You have to ask yourself, is it going to be a, a deposit in my spirit, right, in my being, or is it going to be a withdrawal? Will I, down the road, blame, right, the effect for the disaster that may come, right? Like myself, with the depression, um, I get high to relieve my depression, and then I don't want to do anything, so I get high, and then I feel bad because I'm not doing anything, right? I mean, that's just taking the effect and making it the cause. Get stuck in a rut, man. It's not worth it. So, hopefully that answers that question for you all. Uh, I love you guys. I mean that sincerely. Taking a break from the show? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Russ at ASI247.org. Just going to kind of let the spirit lead. Um, love you guys. I mean that sincerely. Until next time. Bye. Make it the cause.